Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and I am joined today by a second repeat guest. I am glad and honored to have on the show, Chris Prefontaine. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, Love man, it. it's great. You're back by popular demand. I mean, we came to episode 79 and talked a lot about Subject 2 and the Triple Payday, and we were really trying to explain the differences on that show between these rising rates and the opportunities to do Subject 2. So for those that didn't get a chance to tune into episode 79, we're going to break that down in definite more detail today, a little bit slower. Many of our audience fans came back and said, <laughs> hey, can you elaborate on some of these things? You guys had a lot of value there, but man, you went through it in like 32 minutes. So we're going to do a deeper dive on that today. And for those didn't get a chance to listen to episode 79 just to bring you up to speed chris has been in this real estate industry for over 31 years He's the chairman and founder of Smart Real Estate Coach and a four-time best-selling author. He's a Forbes Business Council member and a three-times Inc. 5000 honoree for fastest-growing companies focusing on transferring W-2 employees into creative financing in real estate for investors with over $100 million in transactions completed. He also hosts one of the global top 0.5% ranked podcasts in the world, uh, and it's a great podcast, Smart Real Estate Coaching. If you get a chance, check that out. There's tremendous value and you know, well over four years worth of episodes on there. They have been doing this for quite some time. Chris, seasoned vet, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here today. Thanks. I look forward to diving in, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, last time we were on here, we really talked a lot about this um, this notion of subject two, or sub two is what we're yeah. going to call it for our audience. Uh, Chris Chris and I go a little fast as warned from the precursor here, but sub two means subject two. So let's start with that because last time I think that was something that was really eye-opening for many of our audience members. And I myself went to a commercial property following the show and I started tackling that same concept. And I think the biggest hurdle I found, it's probably what our audience found, most people don't know what we're talking about. So therefore, it makes that transaction more difficult than it should be. Yeah. And, and by the way, let me comment on that. Some states, Quentin, are more... You can do this anywhere, mm -hmm. but some states just are more prone to do a lot of them. So a lot of the attorneys are privy to it. That's all. And, ah, okay. And so that, yeah. So even some sellers in some, some, in some states, we'll talk about that. Great. Um, so you want to go back to the bare basics, correct? Let's break it down. Like, you know, listen, we've got audiences that range, you know, in our audience group of over 5,000 listeners, I got people that range from pure real estate investors to real estate agents to mortgage lenders. And then I've got the average Joe that wants to learn more. You know, we're in that education okay. platform like yourself. So this is where they really, really appreciate the deep dive. Okay. So just so they don't feel bad that, that they don't know <laughs> it too. I'm going to preface it with this. My son, Zach, who may have been on your show, I don't know if he's been on yet. Son-in-law, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, he's my partner and CEO. He was speaking at the MLS event last week for the soccer players. Okay. They invited us in to show Super. them how to transition into business. Interesting. And the, my point is this. He had dinner with one of the, a very large fund manager that's out gobbling up properties now due to the market. And this fund manager had zero idea what sub two was. Zero. So that's, and he owns billions of dollars worth of real estate. So that just kind of speaks to our point. It's just not well, it's not well, um, I guess really kind of publicized. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. just not well publicized. So yeah. yeah, that's great to know. So if you're an audience member, you don't know what subject two is, don't worry, you're not the only one. So okay. uh, we're yeah. going okay. to jump into this though. So well, can you break it down for us exactly, uh, exactly what we mean by that and then how we actually approach that for as far as yeah. a purchase? So I'll do super basic. So a subject to, let's say you bought uh, your own home in the past. Mm -hmm. You will remember then, if you didn't, I'll, I'll phrase it differently for you. But those of you that did, you might remember you had a settlement statement. And on that settlement statement, you got a loan probably. And on that settlement statement, there was a line item. And the line item was loan with, and the bank name you took a loan mm -hmm. out with, and the number you took out. Let's say it's 250000 
Well, that new money came to the table that helped you close that deal. The only difference on a subject to deal, because subject to means I buy Quentin's home, Quentin stays as the guarantor for that loan, but the property does transfer to me. Notice I didn't say I assumed it. I didn't apply for it because assume implies that you applied for the loan and you can, it's just like getting your own loan. Right. So we're just averse to going on any personal guarantees. So the subject to settlement statement looks the same. Everything on both sides, the buyer and seller statement looks similar to a conventional deal. The difference is instead of new money, it simply says subject to existing loan with the bank name in the exact balance at the time of the closing that you're taking over. Now, taking over means you're just making payments. It stays in the seller's name. Okay. This is critical, critical for personal guarantee reasons. So, so that's the definition. So uh, that's a great definition. So just a couple questions there, uh, deeper dive, yeah. because this is a question that I got many times. Why would a seller want to do that, Chris? Yeah. So there's different, the, the, I'll, I'll break it down to two, but there's hundreds of categories for sellers, right? Sure. One, one seller might be, we'll talk about this later, free and clear, and they all have no mortgage and they're not stressed financially, but they love doing creative deals for other reasons. This seller, however, is typically more of the avatar of, I need financial relief tomorrow, right? Right. Um, I think the best way is always to give examples. Um, we recently had a couple that was getting divorced, not amicable at all, mm-hmm. one in one state, one in another, two two months in arrears in the, uh, on the property, meaning if you're new, that just means they, they haven't made two months worth of mortgage payments. They're in like the zone of, uh-oh, we might get a pre-foreclosure notice. Yeah, we call so, that delinquency, that 60-day delinquency yep. mark. Yep, and so that they're, they need a, pill, a financial relief pill, right? So that's typically the sell that'll go, whatever, I just need it fixed. We bought that home, we still own that home, they're gone. We probably never will talk to them, but they are still the guarantors of that loan. There's a good example. Okay. And so this this breeds kind of a lot of what we've been sharing on the show here because right now delinquencies are up, but equity yeah. positions are up. And so that's a big difference from 2009. You, know, you got all these people, these, I don't know, influencers, whatever you may call it on, on uh, the socials. And they're, you know, they've been preaching for the longest time. Hey, we're going to see a market crash. We're going to see a bubble, blah, blah, blah. But I think the thing that was highly, highly unconsidered there or given a lot of weight was the equity position in these homes, which allows you to offer relief in these particular subject to situations. Cause if the home was overvalued for you to offer a subject to would be foolish on your part, as well as, you know, the, the person that owns the home. I'll tease that a little bit. You're 100% correct. I'll tease the end of that a little bit. If the home is slightly, not grossly, over leveraged, we can still eke out loads, not a little loads of profit due to what we talked about in the last show. That's Understood. Days. Yeah. But Understood. if it's grossly, you know, someone calls and says, hey, have made, and we get this, have made my payment in two years, they basically suck up any equity and then some we're usually like you call this just a touch too late yeah that makes sense yeah no that makes sense and you know in in today's environment let me ask you this question are you seeing the people that you're approaching for these subject twos are they in the same generation category or are they all over the place that's an interesting question um all over the place okay um and and believe it or not we're doing there's a few recently uh where one of our guys is just crushing it he calls it a hybrid deal. He coined it. But what he's doing is he's finding some sellers just in his normal prospect. He's not seeking them out mm-hmm. that have, to your point, equity. They're current, but they may have a second home. They need relief from this to move on. And they're willing to wait for their equity as long as it's locked in and taken care of. So I'm talking like 
putting a, a subject to deal together where he took over a loan payments on a hundred grand, but the guy might have 200 more grand coming in five years or whatever they negotiated out. Those deals are more prevalent. So it's not just the people that are in trouble, but they just want some relief and it could be positive. Right. And a lot of that creative financing that you call it, um, which is exactly what it is, a lot of that's to alleviate some tax burdens as well, as we've talked about, for a person that may not be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Another option for that, that you you don't always have to be in trouble to look for the subject to deal. There's one more instance that actually made me think of that when you said it. So again, I'll try to be basic on this. So let's say you or I have a primary resident Mm -hmm. and residence and we leave. We have to be in that home two of the last five years or we lose our one-time exclusionary tax. You know, you don't get taxed for capital gains. So what's another reason for someone to do sub two? Let's say someone uh, left their house and they, they either rented it out or family used it, whatever. But now they've been gone approaching three years. That would mean two out of five, they were in it, but it's approaching three years. Mm-hmm. If they don't transfer that title, i.e. sub two, they're going to get whacked on capital gains when they sell it. So you, that's a very good tool to stop the clock ticking for that exclusionary capital gains issue. I don't know if I confused anyone on that one. No, no, that makes that makes you clear that perfectly. Now, let okay. me ask you this question. If I'm a real estate agent, how do I identify some of these sellers? Or more importantly, how can I take a seller that may be in this situation that wants to sell, and how do I get them in touch with someone like yourself? Like what, what dynamic yeah. do I look for there? So if I'm a realtor, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one of two things, and we have both. I'll give you examples. A realtor can either a learn this. Mm-hmm. I, that if I knew this my first 18 years when I was doing realtor activities, I would have a left a lot. I've not left a lot of money on the table. B helped a whole bunch of sellers out that I had to leave. Like when you're an agent, some stuff expires, and some people can't get qualified. Uh, and C, I wouldn't have been on that treadmill of the one payday. Right? We talked about right. that last show. So. For all those reasons. Now, what should they do if they don't want to learn it? Because some people are very busy and they just want to run in their lane and they end up referring it to us. We have associates all over the country. We have all over North America. So just reach out to us. You can, you can email support and say, hey, I'm in XYZ state. I need someone to refer to on these deals. So I, so you go in now as a, as a realtor and you say, uh, look, Mr. Mr. Seller, this doesn't look like it, it'll fit because you can't come out of pocket or whatever the reason is. Um, I have uh, one of my partners as an investor and they possibly could buy your home. Now you're an authority and you're, you save them. Yep. And guys, if you need more detail on that, it's going to be on our YouTube channel at what's your one more with the number one in the show notes. You can find the link to support on there and you can also find the link to Chris's website to get started, to gather this information, decide whether or not you want to be an affiliate with them, or if you just want to turn it over to them as a referral as well, that'll all be in the show notes there on YouTube. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. 
So Chris, getting back to the subject too, you know, yeah. one of the things I look at was, all right, so for me, I saw a property that was enticing, but it had been sitting for some time. And it was starting to cop a suntan, as I say. And I'm like, okay, what's going on with this property? I mean, it's been out there for eight months. I mean, is it just in shambles? Is there other issues that you know about? And once we got to the heart of it, uh, it was it was significantly overpriced. But more importantly, it needed work. I mean, you were gonna you couldn't just move turnkey into this. You were gonna have to put you know a couple hundred grand in this commercial property to get it to the level that would have managed what we were looking for. Um, yeah. To me, that was the first sign of a property that I thought I could structure you know subject to on because it had been sitting and we had a seller that obviously wanted to sell, but wasn't getting any types of contracts or any type of action there. Is that another way that you would identify an opportunity for subject to? Yeah. Anything different and outside the box, what you just described is one of many. Okay. Um, mobile homes where, uh, mobile home parks where, uh, banks and it's not easily bankable. Anything that's not easily bankable. Okay. Or here's here's some quirky ones. Like if you call someone and then they're a seller, mm -hmm. they're selling for sale by owner and their voicemail is full, or they don't call it back, or they're rude. They're going to chase away most people. Okay. And that's a great one to follow up on. Then there's more, but that's just a teaser. Yeah. That's a no. Those are great indicators right out the gate. It, you know, you mentioned something earlier. I want to circle back on assumable. Assumable mortgages. This is a big buzzword in our industry. Matter of fact, the VA stats that just came out showed that more assumable loans are being done now than they have over the last really 20 years. And so hmm. I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. One of the low interest rates that are available and then two, limited inventory. And, and, and three, I think that the idea of if I'm a first time home buyer with rates, the level they're at right now, my affordability is shrunk tremendously. And so oh, yeah, I'm trying sure. to find a way to get into that home. This may be an opportunity, um, especially with you know anyone in the service that's being transferred on orders. There's a lot of leeway there. However, before the show, you were extremely passionate about assumable mortgages and maybe why not to do them. And I would love to take a minute to, A, explain uh, a little bit of your thought process and add some stats from Black Knight in regards to this assumability option that may or may not be available. Yeah, my reaction off of here with you and I was just, the word assumable means mm -hmm. you're going to apply for the loan, just like a conventional loan. The only difference is you might capture a good rate, okay? So there's a little advantage there. But instead, I would I would buy it sub two. I would never bring up the word assumable on occasion. And I when I say on occasion, maybe one out of 50 or 100, a seller will say, oh, you mean you'll assume it? And I say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to assume it. That's an application process and an underwriting process. And that process these days is awful. Awful. So, so no, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to act quickly because that might tie us up for 30 to 60 days, Mr. Seller. But I can act quickly and get this closed like, as soon as we can do a title run, seven, 10 days, the loan will stay in your name until someday in the future I cash it out. That's it. I don't give it any more attention. You give it attention, then you're going to cause them to be concerned or ask more questions. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget on the assumability side, it sounds great. It's not that easy from a servicer standpoint. If if I'm bank of, you know, whatever, and I hold this VA loan for you, Chris, and you have a perfect payment history with me, why on earth do I want to go out and add risk to a to a loan I've already got a great pay history and relationship with by bringing in someone new that I can't guarantee is going to provide that same level of relationship. And so a lot of people kind of have this misnomer. The servicer is not required to grant the assumability by awesome. any means. And so right. just because the home's a VA, just because it has an assumable clause in the note, it doesn't mean the servicer is going to execute that. And to that point, Black Knight said there's about 7.2 million VA loans that have an assumable clause in them currently outstanding. Of those 7.2, half of them, only half of them 
have the equity position that makes sense for the assumability. And, and what I mean by that is most of those homes have over six figures of equity. So if you're going to assume a note, you, the buyer, are still responsible for the differential of that note. So just because you're getting that that mortgage at 2.5%, 3%, you still got to bring hundred grand to the table. That defeats the whole purpose of a VA loan because you're trying to come with no money down. So I think there's this flawed logic on the VA side of things and, and what's happening there. And I think the ones that are getting done are those first-time homebuyers that have money to bring to offset that differential. Or maybe they're getting a seller held second on the backside. One of the two could be happening. But I don't know many um, sellers that have the, the ability to do that in this market right now with some of the financial conditions that we're in. We should have addressed that. You brought another point because you brought the down payment issue. Mm-hmm. When I'm buying seven two, I'm not putting down payment down. Now, oh, because yes. I'm not putting down payment down, I'm probably going to have to pay sales transfer tax if the state has it. But mm-hmm. you're talking a couple thousand or three, four, five thousand, depending on the price range, not tens of thousands like you were saying for a down. Second thing that's really neat for everybody to know is you literally can go on the VA site right now and the VA site talks about allowing a sub two and they even explain we we would call it a wrap they call it a mirror mortgage mm-hmm. it's on their website right so it's like you you should be talking to VAs all the time it like like you would explaining the VAs getting you know service changes we have that in our area in New England so those are great great seller avatars yeah and I think that a lot of people um maybe underestimate what we're talking about from a subject to standpoint. What I love about this is you're really leveraging as an investor, your cash flow, and you're leveraging, you know, your, your, basically down payment as well. It's not going to put a lot into it. And so I think one of the things that we talked about last show that I wanted to circle back on was when you do that subject to you approach me, I, I essentially work with you, you inherit the note that I currently have, and then you turn around and that's now your payment. That's the payment that you're going to make on the house. But then you're looking, if I don't stay in that property, if I need to go somewhere, you're looking to put a renter in that property that you've already pre-qualified for that rent at a higher payment to make an additional overhead on that. Uh, yeah, we do. You you can do rentals. We do rent to own Rent-to-own. 99% of the time. Yeah, we do segment some and say, let's keep that forever. But we do rent to own because I'm going to put a buyer in that house mm-hmm. that is a true buyer. They just need a time to get qualified. So... So other than the two to ten percent default rate we have, normally on the lower end of that, um, they're going to take care of the house like a buyer would. I'm not sure. getting a landlord call to the toilet, the roof. I'm not getting that. Um, that's why, Quentin, this is important to know. That's why during COVID, we went into COVID at at our peak inventory without knowing it, seventy two doors with all rent home buyers in them except for like two, and only had four headaches the whole time. Why? Because they're not renter mentality; they're buyer mentality and. The fact that the government was letting people not pay does not affect their ability to buy that house. Uh, I mean, does not help them with their option to buy that house. They have to stay current with us or they can't buy the house. Right. So a buyer behaves differently when there's trouble. Yeah, and I think that's a really important distinction here is that you're operating with buyers, future homeowners, not renters. You're operating with someone yeah. with the intent to buy that home. That's the one they want. You have an agreed upon price. You have your own note with them and you're becoming essentially the servicer of that loan for them. And you're telling them you miss a payment, we've got problems, right? Just like you yep. would just yeah. like you would with a traditional servicer. You know, I think that's what's uh I think that's what uh what I love about the company name Wicked Smart, uh, because this is something that a lot of people have not considered. You know, and when I've sat down with numerous investors post our show and explained this concept, it was like <clears throat> 
mind-blowing yeah. light went off. And, and you know, I've been in real estate for going on my 23rd year, and I never had heard of this until you and I met. And, uh, I, you know, I felt like I was way behind the eight ball on this. You guys had such a huge run-up since 2008 on this and have been doing a great job with it. Perfected is what I would say. Um, you know, I just think it brings so much value to the show. So, and I'm grateful for that. What I would love to do today is, you know, a call to action for our audience. I would love for them to think about how they could implement this now. So could you give us, I don't know, three, five easy steps for someone to implement this, even if it means pick up the phone and call on your team, but what would be those three to five steps that someone from this podcast could go, okay, starting the new year, I got goals. I want to own real estate. I want to be more of an investor. Yeah. Let's give it to them. What can we do? Well, I would always say, I think maybe said in the last show, to to connect with someone that is where you want to be. So let's be biased, right? Because yeah. I'm hating and saying, yeah. okay, how can you do it with us? Yes. So um, I would do two things simultaneous because they're free. Okay. I would grab the free book. We have the link. We'll say it, and you can put it in the show notes. Um, while that's on its way to you, don't wait. There's a free master's class. Just go to smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class. And if you can deal with listening to my speed of talk for another hour, you'll get a, a nice workshop. And then on YouTube, right? You can go on YouTube and watch like, I don't know if the numbers, I've been using 250 for a while, but there's mm -hmm. several hundred deals there posted showing you what we do and how we do it, the good and the challenging too, so you can learn That's from important. it. Yep. You'll, yeah, and you'll know, you'll get done and go, yeah, this is for me or it's not. Keep this in mind, just from a business standpoint. If you're looking to start something that's sort of healthy energy-wise, you're helping not just your family, you're helping two other families when you do this. You're helping a seller that probably didn't have this pathway and you're helping a buyer who probably lost hope because of the rates. You're helping two families every time you transact a deal. It's a super, super win, win, win. Yeah, I think that's right. Really uh, so, that's, so that's the on-ramp. And then we have free stuff every week. I mean, we get together on Zoom every week at four o'clock. We've been doing that since 2000, I don't know, 16. They're welcome to go. That's, there's all kinds of things they can do. Just go to the website. Do you want me to give the link for the book? Please, absolutely. Um, it's wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Harris. Simple. So we know it came from your tribe and glad to honor that. You won't pay a dime for shipping or anything. We got it. All right, guys, that'll also be in the YouTube link on there as well, as well as in our show notes. You know, Chris, I've given that book, you sent me five copies. I gave all five out immediately. Um, the most awesome. powerful person I gave it to was a site agent. She knows exactly who she is. Um, and she owns 11 rental properties. Um, wow. and she had gotten to the conforming loan or the conforming limit. As we know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac says, Hey, you yeah. can only have 10 finance. And this was the 11th one. She was trying to figure out like, what am I, I'm going to pay one off. I got to do this. And she was already in the middle of the process. And I handed her that book. I said, read this book. This is going to unlock the next 10 to 11 for you without having to have Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the equation. Um, and I think, I think, I know she read it, but I bet she was boom, mind blown again because of the, yeah. the subject two concept. She was like, oh my God, I could have done this on my quadplex, you know, up north. And I mean, it was just interesting to see how, you know, a lot of people are residential investors, but they forget that leverage is the key component to really amplifying, you know, your your asset pool. And so I think yeah. that you do a great job bringing that to the table. No, thank you. We have uh, in our contracts with our associates, I don't think I mentioned this on your show, we do have a clause that says, hey, if you get the property, because we revenue share. Mm -hmm. But if you get a property, we'll exclude one of your personal properties. So most of our associates come in and they have a rental and they go, hey, can you help me get this sold? We help them get it sold. We create the three paydays. We do all that. They learn from it and they don't give us 10 cents. Ah, that's the best way to learn. 
Yep, you bet. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Well, Chris, you know, I mean, I know you're a busy man. You always bring so much value to this show here. I'm going to leave you with one lasting question uh, because we get this all the time. We just did our crystal forecast, crystal ball forecast for the rates. And I mean, my gosh, I get this question at least five times a day. I, I wish I knew the answer. I'd be a gazillionaire by now. But, right. you know, when rates come down, and we know they're going to come down. It's just a matter of time. The timeline may be pushed down the road. How does that impact what you're doing? Because right now, you're in the driver's seat because there's there's those lower rates out there. But as these rates start to come back down, does that alter your business or does that go, hey, there's tons of opportunity when they come down? I, I want you to consider this. What, what outlook do you have? Yeah, you could throw almost any criteria I mean, like that that's market-related, economy-related, and I'd say it doesn't matter in creative real estate. Now, We'll fish in different ponds as the market changes, right? Mm -hmm. In 2013, everyone told me you're nuts to buy. I aggressively <laughs> said buy. In COVID, some people in my space literally closed their doors. I screamed, no, double down. People had huge success. So I'm, I'm telling you, when you understand how to pivot and can get resourceful, you're going to do that in up, down, or sideways markets, in up, down, or sideways rates, and up, down, or sideways anything, pricing anything. Guys, I'm telling you what, you're, you're listening to one of, we're listening to one of the best throughout the real estate industry right now that is doing things that other people are not doing and bringing it to the table. More importantly, it sounds based on his success. It's a recession proof business due to the pivoting and the different ponds that you can go into. If you want to know more about this, if this is something you're interested in and you want to even further deeper dive, I encourage you to go to their website. The educational tutorial videos are absolutely on fire. I have watched quite a few, if not all of them. Um, Chris, what's another way? What, what what else would I direct this audience to go learn more to get a deeper dive besides YouTube and your if website? If they're on social, I'm not, but my son-in-law and those guys run that, but they can hit, hit us on Instagram, Facebook. They'll see us on all the platforms. Just type in smart real estate coach. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, hey, thank you again for your time. I greatly appreciate it. You came on here, killed it as usual. And for our audience, I hope you guys took away from this today. I hope you found something extremely valuable and got a little bit more definitive information on subject two slash sub two. Uh, if you guys could five-star review this podcast on Apple, specifically on Apple, leave comments. We'd greatly appreciate it. And then check us out on our socials at What's Your One More with the number one. Till next time, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. We'll see you back at What's Your One More. Thanks, buddy. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to 